Welcome to Conversations with Quiet Leaders. My name is Juliet Morris. I believe there is greatness in leading and building teams through powerful listening, what's being said and what's being heard. In this podcast, you'll hear from quiet leaders who are being more bold, more brave and more comfortable with who they are. So I'm delighted to welcome Alan Tang to the podcast today. So welcome, Alan. Lovely to speak to you and see you again. Alan is a champion of the Scribbly career, but he's gone from corporate strategy to chefing to becoming a multi-hyphenate advisor to seed and series A startups. He's currently acting as a chief of staff of the portfolio career, teaching at Synthesis and writing on Medium, along with occasional private catering gig. So welcome, Alan. Such an eclectic mix of wonderfully creative things. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. And I'm intrigued as to your thoughts on introversion and quiet leadership and how it resonates with you. It's, it's an interesting one because I think most people think about leadership as being someone that's very assertive, action orientated, quite loud. And I think in the past, that's always been the case. But for me, leadership's always been about inspiring others and you know and this can come about in different ways um so yeah i i just think that there are certain circumstances where you know, being allowed and assertive is useful but i've seen quiet leaders um and different type of leaders i think that variety is important be very powerful mm. i think a lot of introverts are very good active listeners they're very good at analyzing and reflecting what others say and this can be you know, super influential. Some of the best meetings I've had with some of the you know, smartest CEOs, some of the most successful CEOs, they'll only talk three, four times in the meeting, but everyone will listen to every word that they have to say because they make each word count. And I think if I was to think about leadership, I wouldn't really split it in sort of whether you're you know, a stereotypical leader or you're a quiet leader. I think about it as more being genuine. You know, when you're when you're trying to be something you're not, people can see through that. And I think leadership is just about gen- being genuine and seeing you can influence others in a positive way. And um, you know, I'm still on that journey, but hopefully, by just mm-hmm. walking the walk, doing what I say I'm going to do, I can help have that positive impact. Yeah, I love what you said about. Um the CEOs with very few words, but make an impact. That's That's got me curious because how, how does that play out in thinking and acting then from your perspective? Because if you've gone from a corporate finance person to, which I think you started in Grant Thornton, didn't you? Yes. Um, and then to becoming this multi-hyphenate advisor and a chef and a writer and all these other things, how how has that played out in your leadership then, that thought process and how you speak and act yourself? I, I, I'll be honest, when I started my career at Grant Thornton, um, I think you're, as an introvert, you're always at a bit of a disadvantage. Um, you know, if I think back to my first ever assessment centre, how I got the internship, the graduate role at GT, uh, I was in a group with 11 others, 10 of those were loud, wanted to grasp the limelight, because you have to, right? You create that opportunity for yourself by attracting that attention. 
even though I disagree with it, you know, I found that everyone was trying to grab the the recruiter's attention, trying to stand out in front of everyone else. Um, and to be honest, I didn't think I'd get the internship, but uh, I was quite lucky that someone did that classic. Oh, Alan, what do you think? And I was able to, you know, analyze and articulate what what I wanted to say. And I, I, I think I came across quite well and I got off the internship. But, you know, it shouldn't be the case that just because you're loud and you're you're in the limelight that you get all of the all of the you know attention, financial reward, um, or the progression. And even now, I see it in a lot of a lot of my meetings. Um, even when I was a chef as well, like you could see it that you can get drowned out quite easily by the people who are extroverted. So I, I guess what I'm trying to get to is my, you have to learn to pick your moments and you get actually get really good at reading the room when you're an introvert. You know, phrases like, oh, just jumping in here with a few thoughts or building on that. Um, those are really like phrases that I use a lot and they really help. But I also think that there's that consultancy trick that you can use, which says um, what I'm hearing is X and then you know, adding your own spin again, just gives you a chance to interject, put your thoughts out there. Because if you don't say anything, um, you will get drowned out and you kind of get ignored to an extent. And I think it's slowly changing in the corporate world, in the even in the chefing world. But there needs to be a wide-scale change for us of quiet leadership to have more of a, I guess, more of a say, more of a seat, of, a seat at the table. Um, so... Yeah, it's, it's it's quite it's been quite a it's a strange journey, but I've learned to just you know, going back to my previous point, learn to just be myself, be genuine, um, and it, I've noticed it makes the biggest difference. So if I think about my time at Wiser, an employer branding agency, you know, when I joined, I was still very corporate, very like institutionalized, like GT, in, in the nicest possible way, but. We had a, a course called Writing Wiser, and it taught me to really be myself when I speak, when I write. So back in the day, I'd write, dear Julia, how are you? And then the main message of the email, and it'd be best regards, Alan, like very corporate, very stiff. Um, but it's not how I speak. It's not, not who I am. And doing this write, Writing Wiser course, I found that, you know, the lesson I took away was, just be yourself when you write, just write like you speak. And I found that it's given me a certain freedom. I'm able to connect with people better. Um, and it's probably the thing that made me start writing on Medium. It's probably opened my mind to new opportunities. And it probably helped kickstart my, I guess, multi-hyphenate career, which which I've loved. So um, yeah, I guess the takeaway, if I was to summarize, is be yourself, uh, just enjoy the journey. and. Um, see where it takes you you know i don't think you have to be an introvert or an, or an extrovert or even be labeled as such i think you can just be yourself mm. and perhaps what i heard there alan was understanding that you don't necessarily want to be that loud person feel like a fraud feel like a fake you want to just be you and come across as genuine and for you that's you found your way writing and then exploring lots of different avenues so uh, at what point did you go, I want to do more than one thing then and have more than one 
opportunity? Um, to be honest, it was when I was a chef. So I don't know if you know, Juliet, but chefs get paid peanuts. My first yeah. job, I was on £16,000 a year in London. Mm. Um, and, you know, I had savings. So I could survive on that for a bit, but only for so long. So I ended up doing a bit on the side as well. So um, private catering, that's how that came, out, that came about. But also... Um, helping doing a bit of consultancy for startups you know running workshops um just to pay the bills but it made me realize that actually i quite enjoy the variety but i also think moving from a corporate finance to a chef background like a chef role it opens your mind to think to make you believe that anything's possible you know I've, i'm an okay home home cook but to move into a professional environment cooking for you know 100 200 covers a a day isn't something that I thought I'd think I could do. And when you are able to do that and overcome it and do it well, you know, I was luckily in the right place and I got promoted to sous chef in my first year. Um, it makes you think actually I can do this. And when you have that mindset, you just start accepting opportunities, taking on new things that make you uncomfortable. Um, but you learn from it very quickly and that thrill that, you know, journey of learning, developing, having an impact is something that I've loved. And that's something that, you know, having a portfolio career really, really gave me. What type of cuisine do you cook? Uh, <laughs> it's like picking <laughs> your favourite child. I mean, I am in love with Middle Eastern cuisine just because it's the first restaurant that I worked at. Um, the food is so fresh, vibrant, just like flavourful. There's loads of spices that you know most people wouldn't have ever heard of um and it's got a nice balance of like savory and sweet i think some cuisines can be very one-sided it has everything but i mean it's hard to choose right indian italian chinese um even, even modern british like i love where british cuisine is heading towards and you know um yeah it's hard it's a very hard choice Mm. and you also teach at synthesis so how how do you bring skills that you've learned from chefing and corporate finance into teaching yes so i mean synthesis just to give your audience a bit of a background it's a school founded by elon musk and the idea is that they want to create um to educate and train students from the age of eight or upwards to about 15 to become better collaborators and better problem solvers. And for me, that's that's really important because traditional schools, they teach you things that aren't really that useful in life. And so, you know, synthesis is trying to break that and it uses games and simulations as a way to, to incentivize students to, you know, have fun, but also learn whilst they're doing it. And I first found out about synthesis on Twitter. I've been following them for a while. I love the idea of education changing the future generations. Um, and somehow they're on Twitter, they announced that you know they're looking for teachers. I've never taught before. Um, as an introvert, I didn't think I'd be a very good teacher either. But actually, it's been a really interesting journey for me personally. Um, and just to learn about not just how to facilitate a workshop, how to project your voice, how to 
ask Socratic questions. It's also about how to deal with different personalities, how to tackle problems from different angles. Um, and I, I've loved it. Honestly, it's my worst paid job. <laughs> it's the job that's at <laughs> the craziest hours because most of my students are in the US. Of course. But it's also the one role that I look forward to every week because I see the growth in my students. I see the growth in myself even. Like just in the past two weeks, I've had people I've met at events, at lunch clubs say, are you, are you a teacher? And I just said, no, <laughs> I'm 100% not a teacher, but I'd like to be. And just to think about where I am now in that journey compared to where I was 18 months ago, 24 months ago, I'm a different person. Mm. So how are you um, managing the different personalities of students? Good question. Um, I think as a teacher at Synthesis, your job is not so much to teach. You're there to, to sort of facilitate and ask the right questions and encourage this collaboration. And, you know, you're always going to get introverts, extroverts, people who don't like, you know, speaking up in the main room. So there are some techniques you can use, such as like having smaller groups and then building that trust between the groups so that they start sharing ideas, you know, using positive reinforcement, but also just making sure everyone has time and space to talk. You know, at the start, I found that some students would hog the limelight, speak up, speak over each other students. And we just created this environment where, you know, we try to give everyone time to speak up and have a voice. Um, and in the past, I used to be, you know, hands up and people would take turns, but actually I wanted to be quite organic. So I just started saying, you don't need to put your hand up, but just make sure that you recognize and give space to others to speak. And teaching, especially the younger students, to just pause for two, three seconds after they've spoken, just to let others jump in. Um, and it's honestly, it's created this very collaborative environment where there are different personalities and, you know, they can come together as one. I think that's that's really important because in life you're going to have to deal with loads of different personalities. So teaching the, the students from a young age how to deal with different people is super useful. Um, I guess from my perspective, it's just about, again, being genuine, taking genuine interest in them understanding where they're coming from and also just letting them, you know, if they are frustrated, let, letting them know their frustration, um, letting them use different mediums to communicate. You know, some people like to use chat, some people like to speak up, some people like to just listen and you have to just adapt to, adapt to them. I love that. And I love that because before we were started recording this podcast, we were talking about time and giving ourselves some space and yet you've just talked about if you create that space and facilitate that that shift with younger people who are going to take that skill and hopefully bring it into their lives and their work, which will have an impact on, on the future and on corporate workplaces. Because if you allow them to have that space, that's, that sense of creativity that, that people can be heard, and that's got to be a better place to be absolutely got to be a place to be i think that's going to be the future of you know workspaces and just i think it's really important to have diversity 
because it's not just diversity of thought, but also just like you learn something, right? And when everyone's being trained for these graduate schemes, these courses to to be the same, you end up having no innovation. Um, so actually, I think just having different people, different thoughts, different voices, being able to work together um, is going to be super powerful. And you know, hopefully synthesis can, can do that. Mm. How do you bring that into your work? generally and your life generally now because you're you're giving you're allowing young young kids young people to have that space and that creativity and that innovation for them to explore and be genuine which I know you're passionate about but how do you bring that into everyday life I I wish I could say that I've done more for myself um it's just been such a crazy 12 months that I haven't really had a chance to reflect but I have noticed that I'm much more, um, I use a lot of the skills I've learned from being a facilitator in my day-to-day. So I will sit back, I will encourage conversations, ask questions, use suppressive questioning. Instead of in the past, maybe just saying, we should do X, Y, and Z. And it's always hard because when I've joined companies, I'm typically one of the most senior people. People look up to you and say, what do we do next? And in the past, I might have given them an answer, you know, told them to, you know, hear you analyze what their skill sets are, their personalities, and then given them roles that suit them. But actually, the best thing you can do um, as a manager, as a coach, as a mentor is to ask them questions and put the, the onus back on you know, your associate, your, your team, because it makes them feel empowered. It makes them feel like they are involved. Part of the, the part of the decision making, and actually, uh, it's how I've grown my my teams in the past. You know, from people who were just like wait like robots almost waiting to be told what to do, to actually taking the initiative to problem solve, to go around talking to others, to to ask those questions. Um, and I've seen it, you know, make them happier, make make made it seem um, it's made my team happier, it's made them more productive. It's also helped with their careers. Like if I think about Wiser and the finance team that I was brought in to, to fix, they've had triple promotions in the last two years. They've been recognized for culture awards. They're leaders in their own right now. And you know, that's not none of that some of that's down to me, but most of it's down to them. But questions, you encourage this. This growth and it's why coaching is such a big big industry right now right everyone's offering coaching and mentoring um services because with the right approach and the right people it can have a huge impact on your career mm-hmm. um so that's from a i guess a, a work perspective but from a personal perspective i found i found it easier to to meet new people you know as an introvert it can be quite hard to to sort of put yourself out there but and you know, some the first six months is difficult. So using lunch club, meeting people at events, running a community, those are all really alien to me. Um, but actually once you do it after a while, it becomes a, a muscle. And then using these sort of facilitation skills to ask questions, to listen, to um to be genuinely interested, I think it just massively helps. And I found it much easier to connect to people 
to to speak to people about certain topics and just to just to learn something and it's it's been a really interesting journey mm, yeah i love that and and i can see how you have used that to find your own voice in how you interact with people in exploring things that you want to do and also writing too um so i'm interested in in a world that is almost like standing on that bandwagon of saying everyone needs to bring their genuine, authentic self to the table. How do you feel about that? And what would you, what would you say to people who feel very quiet and almost like quite scared to, to do that? I, I was one of those people, you know, quiet, didn't really know how I should approach it. So at the start of this year, my, previous boss Lauren said to me I want you to start writing I want you to start going on podcast I want you to start meeting new people um I see it really it's like a huge step for your career and your personal development and I thought just no way there's no way I can do this um but actually just taking it step by step and making it building a muscle for it has been really useful um and I found it really enjoyable actually sort of I don't like writing. I find it quite difficult. But when you write something that you know is genuine, is is yourself, and actually something that you've wanted to sort of share for a while, and when people connect with it, it can be quite nice to to have people to speak to. And it gives you confidence for the next one. Um, I think from a from a meeting perspective, again, lunch club. The first time I joined, I was very apprehensive, but. I've met some amazing people on that platform and it was just about going in there, talking with no agenda, no obligations. I'm not trying to sell. I'm not trying to, you know, put myself out there. I'm just there to talk and listen. And again, you're dealing with different personalities. Some really extroverted people is a very introverted people, but you learn how to, what questions to ask, when to jump in, when to, when to speak, when to listen. But you also learn a lot of interesting topics. I've learned about machine learning. I've learned about crypto. I've learned about um, new wind, wind turbine designs, something that I'm you know, super interested about. I've learned about you know, why uh, composting at home doesn't work or why it can work. Um, I've learned about you know just like how to start your own business, anything really. And again, it's just made me probably a better learner, a better listener, and a better, I guess, conversationist as a result of just doing it. And it's kind of like swimming, right? You can be taught all the theory and be taught, you know, this is what you should do. But unless you do it, you can never, never really learn it, never really master it. And uh, what I would say is just take it slow, have a little bit of a plan, and just enjoy the journey. And, and I think this is the important part. You're not Yes, you're trying to get to a destination, but if you don't enjoy the journey, you don't want to be part of it. You're never going to want to do it. And if that if that motive, that motivation isn't there, you're doing you're setting yourself up for failure, and you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Mm. I I love lunch club, and um, uh, I I do something similar to you. So I never go and research the people I've been set up a call with. I akin it to as if you bumped into someone in the supermarket or in the pub or something and you just strike up a conversation because you go, oh, that's interesting. Um, and that I find that 
So you, if you start from that place of curiosity and ask the questions, then you can have some really rich conversations and you learn so, so much on it. It's fascinating. But it also removes the pressure, right? Because you're not having yeah. to go in with an agenda. You're just speaking. You're just learning. One thing I think would is really useful here, especially for, I guess, us introverts, is to almost have your story, like how to introduce yourself, that story. Because once you have that, again, it makes it a lot easier for people to talk about certain things you know, from your background. It can be a lot easier for you to just introduce yourself um because otherwise if you don't know what you're going to say it can sometimes be a bit awkward and it can add a little bit of pressure to you so it's something i learned from ben my current boss and ceo at the portfolio collective mm. he talks about his career in decades so his first one was you know in the army then it was sort of in like um mckinsey then it was big tech and now this portfolio career and i've kind of used a similar format you know i talk about my life is in corporate finance, renewable energy, moving to that chef life, and now it's portfolio career. Um, and I think it's quite useful to, to frame it in that way because then it just taking people on a journey and people really relate to that. When you're just throwing facts out there, people, people don't listen, right? They need to, they want to hear a story. Yeah, I love that. What would your top three tips be for listeners who are navigating the world of life and work as an introvert? Um, I'd say definitely one, be be genuine, be authentic. Um, Number two would be to really be open to new experiences. You, You really won't know where they go. You know, if I think about this year, I didn't think I'd start writing on Medium. I didn't think I'd be on my second podcast, I didn't think that um, <laughs> I'd be teaching as much as I do at Synthesis. I didn't think that, you know, I would be um, talking about passive income, learning about passive income. But these things have all come through conversations, through just being open to these new ideas. And then I guess linked to the back of this, and this is the third tip, is that just believe in yourself. You know, everyone has their own unique skill set their own strengths and no one's perfect right you just believe in yourself and what you're capable of and things will work itself out um i think that's the the learning that i've had this year it's just if you have the confidence to try it might not work out but you'll you'll learn something from it and it'll add to your overall overall journey Mm, i love those life is an evolution (laughs) it is an evolution um (laughs) I mean, just on that point about it being on a, an evolution, like I genuinely don't know where my career is going to take me. I don't know what you know will happen in the next twelve months. But if it helps to inspire your your, I guess your audience, my my plans are I'm going to move towards more social impact and sustainability projects for work. So you know, anything in the education, renewable energy, food waste space. Um, there are companies out there that are super cool, like the Future Forest Company, Heckles, Club Zero, Synthesis, obviously. But there's such great things. And, you know, that's where I would want my career to move more towards. Um, but actually, it's hard, right? You, you, you talked earlier, Julia, about balancing your money, learning, passions. I started thinking more about this in the framework. So, 
how much time do I spend on things that pay the bills? How much time should I spend on things that I enjoy? How much time should I spend on things that teach me something? And I found like a 60, 20, 20. So 60% of my time doing things that pay the bills, 20% of my time doing things that I enjoy, 20% of the time doing things where I can learn something is, is I think going to be the future for me, at least for the next 12 months. And hopefully I can uh, stick to that. So Julia, if you see me working too much or not working enough, you can uh, just give me a nudge. I love that model. I love that model. That's a great share. Um, the, I get the I get the twelve months, and I understand you know the the spaces that you are sort of starting to move into. What's your big dream for the future? It's it's an interesting one, and to be honest with you, I don't know. I wanted to. I actually applied for the on purpose um, program. It's a one year program with two placements at social impact businesses, just to learn more. But unfortunately, I couldn't make it work in terms of work and money and and life commitments. But that, you know, again, that's only 12 months. I think if I think longer term, um, I would love to find, I'd love to maintain a portfolio career, but help have an impact, a bigger impact at you know, a higher level on the causes I talked about earlier, so education, renewable energy, and food waste. And, you know, historically, I've been working very much on, like, on the front line, fixing things, solving things. But what I've learned that is that you actually sometimes need to take a step back and think about the bigger picture, where this, this will tie in, what are the things you can do at a structural level, at a strategic level to have a bigger impact. And, you know, it can be things like design, design-led thinking. It could be things about partnerships. Um, ultimately, I would love to be, you know, in two, three years, have been known for sort of advising in this space and actually help help to make an impact and actually a tangible impact. I think a lot of companies in this space now are doing it for for the money or they do it because, um, you know, they can see a short-term impact. But when you start reading up about, say, green steel, green concrete, uh, you know, how can you bring that development from, say, just the construction industry to something a bit wider? How can you create this ecosystem where actually everyone talks to each other? Um, Because it's all very, it feels very sort of siloed. Uh, If you work in the green space, that's all you do. And, but really, if you're going to have a huge impact, you need to start taking that out of that silo and bringing it into a bigger a bigger environment where actually can have a bigger impact. The one example that comes to mind is very much supply chain, right? So I've worked in supply chain for a bit and when you're trying to make everything a bit more sustainable, so instead of using plastic, can you use you know, paper bags instead of um, shipping tons of liquid, why can't you ship concentrate and then you know, dilute it when you get to the end, end point? But to do that, you need all the different pieces in the puzzle to talk to each other. Mm. And at the moment, there are a lot of blockers that stop that happening or a lot of you know, historic rules or agreements that are stopping that happening. So just breaking down those barriers and hopefully my, my background in a diverse range of industries and my big network hopefully will be able to contribute towards that. 
I know I've gone about this in a really roundabout way, but what I'm trying to say is you kind of need to have um, a network. There needs to be this network event where you start in one place and you can connect the dots of the other places uh, in order for any of this to really be sustainable long-term. That's a beautiful note to finish on. Thank you very much, Alan. That was a wonderful conversation. Thank you for having me. And I'm sorry that I was sort of jumbling my words a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> that was Very brilliant. Um, yeah, I, I found it really hard to articulate that last point because I don't know where I want to get to. I really don't. But hopefully that, you know, if more and more, if it inspires some other people to think in a similar way, we can come together and have, yeah, just a bigger impact than what we currently do. Because if I think about my career now, a lot of the stuff I do is like very grassroots, very like local. How do you bring it all together to to really deliver something that will change change a system? Lots more to talk about on that. Uh, I agree. Hopefully, um, <laughs> no. I'm yeah. I'm. Uh, thank you for having me, and thank you for restarting this. I think your topic's really interesting, actually. To and I think if you can make it more common, you know, it doesn't have to just be extroverts. You can be a quiet leader and more and more people can learn from this and actually implement it. You're going to have a better workspace. You're going to have better, just a, like a more, more comfortable working environment for people. Mm, I agree. Lovely. Thank you, Alan. Thank you for listening. I love to talk and work with people and businesses who want to achieve more. I challenge their thoughts to create possibility. Anyone can be part of the conversation. Leave me a message, ask a question and connect with me. 